Well, good morning, Collide, and everybody in the building. My name is Charles King, and I have the privilege of being one of the worship pastors here at New Life Church. And I also get the opportunity, yeah, I also get the opportunity to travel around ministering as a recording artist. I just wanted to come and share with you all about worship this morning. Is that cool? All right. And uh, when we're thinking about worship and we're thinking about what does it mean? What does it look like? What does it sound like? How can I do this? We're going to be trying to explain why we worship and also why we want to be worshiping. Amen? Man. I have a scripture, uh, John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Y'all can hang out right here if you want to. But it says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such people to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Can I be honest with you? When I started listening to this scripture, I thought it, true worshipers was like this special kind of perfect people, right? We're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. Anybody ever heard the phrase, all right, get in the spirit, we're going to worship. And oftentimes our natural reflex is to go really deep and we just, it's kind of like we focus really hard and we try this really thing that means I have to cry, I have to, I have to be going to a slow song, but worship isn't that at all. Those are expressions of worship, but this morning we're going to be talking about what worship is and why it's important. Worship is not a slow song. It's not just about being, our hands being raised. It's not the worship team's job to lead us in worship. But as believers of Christ, it is our life submitted to God in obedience. That's what worship is. It's not about the lights. It's not about being up here on stage. And I'm sure some of you may be involved in your worship teams and youth worships at your churches. And it's not about that at all. It's about when the lights are off, the cameras are off, the band is gone, there's no music, there's only you and God. Can you worship as hard as you worship at home as you do up front? Can you give God your all and cry out to him and go hard if it was just you and no one was watching? When it doesn't matter, when there's not a, a, a fancy hashtag or tweet, is it still cool to you to worship in your private time? This is what we're going to deal with this morning. Worship is more than that. Some definitions of worship is a strong affection or love for, giving complete attention, adoration, and oftentimes an addiction. It's a life submitted unto God. That's what it is, a love relationship with God. Not the form of godliness like the word declares and denying the very power of God, but it is a life saying, God, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I don't understand you to the fullness. But with everything I have right here, right now, I'm going to lay it all down before you. Amen? So my topic this morning is simple. It says, worship is not about your position, but it's about your posture. Worship is not about a position. It's not about this, but it's about the posture of your heart. One of my favorite stories and favorite people in the Bible is David. Anybody else like David in the Bible? Like, amazing, right? 
There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 I thought was really cool, and I'm going to share just a little bit of it. You can read it tonight before you talk to your boo. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, and it goes like this. There are, there's a man of God by the name of Samuel who gets a word from God. says, hey, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house to anoint a king. Okay? I'll give you a little bit of history. There was a present king. His name was Saul, right? And he sucked. God was ready to replace him right? So God was like, Samuel, I need a new king, and he's at Jesse's house. Now, Jesse had sons, right? A lot of sons. Back in the day, they have like 20 kids and not blink, all right? He had a lot of sons, and they were all strong except for one, David. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house to anoint a king, and Jesse says, hey, Samuel, why are you here? He says, well, God sent me here to anoint a new king, and he said he's going to be one of your sons. Can you bring your sons out? So, so Jesse goes, all right. So he lines all of his sons up, except for David. He lines all of his other sons up that were older, bigger, stronger, had the look, had the, the aura of what a king might be. And so one by one, Samuel had this horn that was filled with oil, right? And he would go by. And anytime he stood in front of one son to pour, God was like, nope. Next son. Nah, bruh. Next son. Well, God, he's strong. He's got muscles. He could be a king. Nah, bruh. Go down to the... And on and on and on, God said no to all the other brothers. So Samuel starts tripping a little bit. He says, Jesse, now, I know God sent me here, man. Is this all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, oh. <laughs> That's one more. He's not... He's young. He's skinny, kind of a pretty boy. He's out there with the sheep. We can bring him in. We can try it and see what happens. Samuel says, all right, just bring him in. Sure enough, when he stands in front of David with the horn of oil to anoint him, God says, this is him. So it's not about what you look like. It's not about having a look of worship or a look of a person that loves God. I'm so glad that God doesn't call those who are qualified but he qualifies those he called. I can relate to this story a little bit, and I'm almost done. I can relate to this story a little bit. A lot like David, I've been in worship leadership since I was nine years old, right? Don't clap. That's like child labor law of some sort. It has to be. It has to be. Abuse. I didn't have any stress in my life, but cereal, school, maybe homework. Now I got to lead a church in worship at nine years old. And it was by default, right? So I come from, I'm a Georgia boy. Anybody from Georgia in here? Yeah, okay. I'll holler at y'all later. So small town just south of Atlanta, Georgia called Macon. The founder of my um, home church where my family is in Georgia, he passed away. So a lot of people left. It was like four families and a bunch of youth, right? So literally this is how it happened. Um, my godmom, who was a pastor at this church, she came down and she just started handpicking people. Okay, you're going to be on worship. You're going to play drums. You, and she came to me. She says, you, you're going to be a worship leader. So she get the all, right? They would bring us down to the front, much like you are now, every week, every Sunday in this church. And she would just pour oil on us. I'm telling you, every Sunday, I was greased like a piece of chicken. 
because it was about the anointing. So I relate to David, right? Pour it all on me. Now get this. I couldn't play any instrument. I couldn't sing. My goal in life was to go to the Olympics, the Olympics and be a track star. Yeah. I was fast. I was athletic. That was my dream. I didn't want to lead worship. What? No. But sure enough, she signed us up for piano lessons. The second day, the teacher quit. I don't know if we were that bad or she just had something better to do. But I'm like, God, you want me to be a worship leader? I'm trying to get lessons. And this lady quits. Like, what am I going to do? But I had a heart, man. A heart that beat it for the presence of God. I knew it wasn't in my strength that I could do it because I was too young in my mind and I wasn't qualified. But sure enough, God saw something in me that was bigger than what I could see in myself. And that's what worship does. Worship reveals who you are. This is why it's important. This is why you want to be worshiping. When we worship God, is getting to know him. And the funny thing about getting to know who God is and pursuing him, getting into your word every day, just like you get up faithfully and get on Instagram first, try to like reverse that and read one scripture, then get on Instagram. Oh, man. Everybody was like, no. Yeah. This is why. It's about more than coming to a conference and getting excited for a weekend and then going back to school dry. This is not the purpose of Collide. This is not our hearts. Our vision is just to get into your hearts and into your minds. Listen, you are a chosen generation. This brings us to my second scripture. First Peter, first Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him, who has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you see, it's important for us. Worship is just not for a worship team. Worship is just not for your pastors. Worship is not just for your parents. Worship is for all of us. Even more so you than your parents and your grandparents. You want to know why? Because the enemy is out for you all. I don't know if you've been looking at the news lately. There's a lot going on. And everybody that's going and dying and a lot of disaster is young people. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And what he would love most, that if he can't completely get you to leave church, he'll distract you long enough to where you won't get in the presence of God and find your identity and then find out the why of why you exist. Two important questions and I'm done. We all want to know, why am I here? Why? Why do I live? Why am I in Arkansas? Why? The other question is, what, and it's attached to the first question, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Some of you are going to go off to college. When I went to college my first year, I changed my major seven times. Man, listen, I was down a road. I would have been an architectural engineer, and I couldn't do math very well. I just, I couldn't. But God had a bigger plan, and he has a bigger plan for you. For you are chosen. You are the head and not the tail. 
You're supposed to be the example. You are the example. You are the standard. So we have to put ourselves in a posture of worship. This is where breakthrough happens. All the stuff that may be happening at home and you're waiting for your parents to be the ones to pray, let us be the ones that pray. When we're waiting for the adults to lead, let us be the ones that lead. Let us be the ones that say, you know what? It's not about my age. It's not about where I come from. It's not about your social status or your social media. It's about your relationship with God. That's what worship is about. Amen? Come on, can we pray one more time? We're going to get ready to worship again. But I just wanted to share with you all the importance of worship. It's more than just formality. It's more than just something we see. But it's something that we do and something that we are. Father, we love you.